Hello and welcome to episode 3 of The Pass, which is a deep dive into the end game of Final Fantasy XIV, focusing particularly on progression and speeds, passing, optimization, all of that stuff. Uh, today we're going to be talking about tanks, uh, specifically, and how their role functions within the meta, within you know the various areas I just talked about before. Today we've got... That way? Yes, Jung. Uh, you're muted. Multiple <laughs> game extraordinaire. He was a semi-professional League of Legends player until his challenger team failed to qualify for LCS three, four times back to back. Um, yeah, fantastic. Uh, alongside then, him, hmm, sorry, off you go. Wait, wait, no, no, no. We got, we got you. Got a co-host send off. Wow, refugee, recently new player. Casuals and novice players, welcome to our stream. Um, but recently, he's a newly minted necromancer, which I think is probably the hardest thing he's ever done in this game. So we're really proud of him. Yeah, that's okay. All right. Uh, all right. You got Hiori as well. Oh yeah, yeah. and then my my guest of the week, the the boy I'm bringing is Hiori. So he's one of the best probably parsers on NA. Definitely one of the best on Ether, but very rare to the parsing community. This guy's also a week one player and isn't completely useless in Prague. So we're super excited to have him join us. Um, I'm, I'm super stoked to have him back on. I haven't talked to this guy in like half a year because he just ghosts everything I say. So, what's up, Yuri? Yo, what's up, man? I didn't know that uh, you were so handsome. This is uh, gonna make me shy, you know? Thanks, baby girl. I mean, boy, I mean. Was that a, just a, a casual dig at every single optimizer? Like every single pass player in the world? That they're actually useless in prog, like you just said? Because that's kind of how it came across to me. And I'm not sure how true or untrue that is but it's probably a little more true than it than there should be anyway my guest of the week sindalf sindalf uh this man is entirely too degenerate disagrees with absolutely everything on principle uh but unfortunately he's also a really good player so we got to put up with him uh i've played with him since the start of this expansion i think was uh, when it started um but he's been around the scene for a really long time so uh, welcome as well to him Hi, thanks for having me on. Why do you have to like go in on Jung like that in your opening? What do you mean? It's just the truth. Like, talking about failing to qualify multiple times, that's thing. I'm How just would you like people... if I told you that you failed to get world first like four times? It just <laughs> builds character. That's all it is. You know, if you if you understand the journey, you can understand and, and better appreciate the destination. Anyway, speaking Only of tanks. Only go up from here. Exactly. Exactly. So... I want to get right into it. And the first thing that I actually want to talk about today is something that I don't think has been talked about in depth at the high end for the entirety of the expansion. It was probably the single biggest change to tanks this expansion, which was the effective removal of tank stance as a choice. Um, as a breakdown, essentially the way that it worked before is that tank stance on most jobs functioned as a you took you did less damage when you had it on, you did more enmity when you had it on, and you took less damage while you had it on. So this thing on Paladin and Dark Knight was a GCD. On Warrior, it functioned a little differently. Um, so it meant that you had another tool in your kit to play around and optimize and, and really, really have a, a higher level of expression of skill in the job. Um, and removing that in the way that it functions now is just a simple toggle for enmity and baking in that 20% mitigation into your core kit in, in the form of traits has really changed the way the tanks play and the, the way that they're balanced these days. Um, so I'm really, really interested to hear from Sindolf. I know you have plenty of takes on this. 
How has this affected the way that you play in Shadowbringers as a top end player? Well, the thing about like tank stance is like, yeah, like you had your two stances, like one was defensive, one was DPS, and at least in Prague, your goal was figure out how fast I could get to DPS stance without like negatively affecting the party because it was very rare that you could just stay in it the whole time. People tried. And it doesn't usually work out very well. Because sometimes you had to go into, like, uh, tank stance in order to actually stay alive or just make certain things easier. So you just weren't hitting the floor the whole time. But I think, like, aside from getting rid of, like, abilities like Inner Beast and, like, having um, a choice between that and uh, Fel Cleave, the biggest change that happened with it is um, related to how Square Enix decides to do their DPS checks. So when you have a tank stance and a DPS stance, you have two floors and two ceilings for how much damage you could possibly do. One's going to be in DPS stance, one's going to be in tank stance. And your expected is going to be somewhere in between. So you can actually contribute to the DPS check by spending as much time in your DPS stance as much as possible. Yeah. When this, they this got something... rid of... Hmm? I'm just saying this is something we've talked about a lot in our team, but probably hasn't been talked about publicly a lot. Just about contributions to a DPS check and that everything's tuned around a certain level. Uh, tanks will do, contribute this much, healers will contribute this much, DPS will contribute this much. And obviously, the more agency you have in the way that you can play, you can exceed those levels of expectation. But what we're talking about yeah. now is that that level of expectation is now like almost at the maximum because of the fact that there's no agency in what you do. All you're doing is your rotation now. Yeah, like because they got rid of that, they like there isn't as much variety in your damage rotation. So and like the choices you have to make. So for the most part, you're going to end up in a problem where it's like you have to play well. Like when you're in Prague, you you your goal is to make it. How do I play this like a speed run as fast as possible without making the group detriment to the group? I, I believe it's like only healers now have that ability to do more than Square Enix like actually tunes for, because nobody really tunes for healers doing optimal damage. Yeah, they and even then, certain, yeah, even then it feels like that amount is being brought lower and lower as well that they can actually exceed expectations because of the, the simplicity of dps rotations now from healers well right. rotations like i've personally felt that uh dps checks uh in shadowbringers have been harder than anything else i've gone up against like i didn't get to do like raw gordius prog like week one so i didn't get to experience that but midas wasn't a huge deal at least within the group i was in creator wasn't a big deal anything previously stormblood was our kefka kill was on nightmare but we still did it but then you go into like Shadowbringers, and it's like we're actually having to press buttons and try <laughs> mm. yeah I, I think this this expansion we've played with probably the best DP, dps players that we've possibly ever played with before uh collectively as a team and it's never really seemed this difficult obviously there's uh, we've also grown as a team to to get better at it but Thinking of Shiva, thinking of Titan, you know, depending on the Enrage, uh, those checks are now actually, they're real and they exist, um, which is uh, directly a result, in part, to the tank stance change. Um, 
I think the one that was probably most egregious, and this is probably something we're going to get back to over and over and over again, is how bad Warrior was hit by this change. Uh, Warrior, it's one of its, I think, most underrated, but also most overpowered buttons was Unchained. Uh, you were a okay. Warrior main uh, until this expansion because of this change, I think. Uh, so I want you to talk a little bit about why you think Warrior's fallen so far. Well, back then, like when you had Unchained and you had two tank stances, and part of it was that your tank stance was on the off GCD and every other tank just, it was so clunky to swap. You could stand, stand stance, and a lot of it was like you had an option for a situation. If you wanted to play really defensively, you could do it. If you wanted self-heal, you had equilibrium with it. If you wanted to actually do damage, you had that. Like You actually had a choice for what you could do for every situation. And if you wanted an in-between, that was uh, unchained. And that also built your aggro, so you didn't even need to try for the most part. You just had to do it once throughout somewhere in the fight. And Let's it just be built fair, the whole though. thing for you. I think personally that that was horrendously overpowered. It was just it was compared compared to the other two, it just felt so good. And the other ones either needed to be brought up. I, do you think this was the correct option, making it so that all of them were on equal footing in terms of tank stance, uh, or do you think the the better option was to weaken Unchained? Uh, I think the better option was to bring the other tanks up, not to weaken Unchained because. The main re like one of the biggest reasons I played Warrior was stance changing was off GCD and you weren't really punished that much for it. Whereas other tanks, they go they would go into their tank stance or have to swap. It could either be on the GCD, it would require some resource. It was it just did not feel good. It was hard to use. It was clunky. Nobody liked it. But Warriors didn't care about any of that. So if they made that one fix. Like sure, it wouldn't have it would have made the gap less. It wouldn't have fixed things, but it at least would have uh, it would have encouraged other tanks to a similar playstyle at time. Yeah, and I think that yeah. alone would have helped because losing a GCD or resetting your combo currently is it ain't very good. Yeah, th this whole talk here about specifically the warrior problem is more of a progression thing. And it made Warrior such like just a lock-in because it was so flexible, so dynamic. It had all these choices that it could make, which just don't exist anymore. But from an optimization perspective, it's always going to be the same thing, right? Obviously, Unchained was really good for that as well because it meant threat became easier because you could Unchained opener with a Tomahawk Equilibrium, uh, those sorts of things. And you didn't, it was like, what, one GCD that you didn't get deliverance bonus on. That was kind of it. Yep. Um, but but in the in the speed kill scenario, it's still kind of, if you think about it, it's core level, effectively what it is now, where tank stance doesn't really exist. It exists as an enmity button now and not a mitigation tool, but back then it didn't either. It just existed to not be in. Your DPS stance was the only thing that you really cared about when you're actually going for optimization and speed. So Hiori, I'm not sure how much speed you've done before this or passing you did before this expansion. How is that? functionally changed or has it at all the way that you play a tank now compared to the way that you would before yeah so this was actually around the time where i started getting into raiding i'm not too old um but i started around the time of like 08 and that you know midgar and stuff like that and midgar specifically 
I was a warrior one trick, by the way, was one of the most fun things because I remember parties would wipe. And mind you, this is week 15 plus. I'm progging in PF. So parties are wiping. And they don't really have a grasp of adaptability. And Warrior really allowed me to hold the ground for at least 20 seconds while my healers were getting raised and like killing everyone else. And I found that this was really fun. I'm not sure exactly if it was balanced because I didn't get to experience and see from the inside out what the end game meta really looked like. Because um, I wasn't really a hardcore raider. I, was, I had a casual approach to the game. But I do think my fundamentals were there to, enough to see that Warrior was fun and it had this potential to kind of outplay the game, per se. Uh, well, it's really interesting, though, that... Oh, sorry, go ahead. What's up? No, keep going. Yeah, it's, it just felt really fun. And over time, patch by patch, you know, I just feel like Warrior has kind of been taken away from me and the other Warriors. It, it does feel like I don't have the same experience and reason for feeling that way, but I do feel that way regardless, because it's just such a big change. Um, even in Shadowbringers, we still had path greeting, which kind of had a similar approach where you would intentionally drop Storm's Eye for an extra 10 gauge so you could get extra fell cleaves and specific points in the fight. And this would be net potency positive because dropping 38 potency on the refresh hit is worth less over the long run than having the fell cleave. Yeah. That you wouldn't have otherwise. And this would essentially gate people from the top five, top ten, you know, whatever state of the, you know, of the tier that you're in. You could gate people from getting higher ranks, partially because crit RNG was not so wide as the end of the expansion. But you could gate people. You, you literally had more potency that they didn't know existed. And, I, and that's just taken away, you know, with, um, they changed it in verse. And so over time, I just feel like I kind of gravitated away from Warrior from feeling like it was really pushing me. And I didn't have any way to push myself anymore. So right. yeah, I do feel like Warrior itself has been kind of the odd kid out. But this entire expansion as well, right? When was, when was the path damage taken away? That was at the start of Stormblood, correct? Uh, the path, I'm sorry, what, the path um, greeting? Uh, the the storm's path what do you call it the, the damage mitigation it used to be an obscene oh. button yeah that oh, was yeah like, that's yeah it disappeared with Stormblood, i believe yeah Stance so that was changes. in my opinion like the start of its homogenization and everything since then has kind of felt like a downgrade there was the 4.1 uh yeah 4.1 changes to warrior which put it in a healthier spot but it was still easier it felt less like your choices mattered and ever since then, it's been more of the same. Now you've had a decoupling so, of things like your IR and your vengeance. Your your timers are misaligned. You're now functioning functioning in a meta which is way more uh, crit reliant, which is just taken away from from Warrior. That it doesn't exist in that meta because it's guaranteed crit. Yeah, and that's still... your original question. Oh, sorry, go see. I mean, Sindel. Sorry, uh, Warrior was still good in four point one. Yes, they were actually strong. The thing is, is that you said they were easier, but the problem with that was that, if I remember right, SE said that they changed it because Warrior was hard to play in new content at the time because it required a lot more planning. Because whenever you swap stances, it cut your gauge in half, if I remember right. So you got punished. 
for playing, uh, for doing the stand stand. But it was, the class still worked. And it fun- it was functional. And it was one of the, it was a pretty good damage dealer as well as, well as tank. So I think 4.1 Warrior was actually fine. They could have kept it going. Let me tell you, there was nothing fun about having 32 gauge at any point. That shit was just weird. I mean, it, it's not, but like that's the choice you made, though, to go into that stance. Yes, that that was your decision to do that. So going on from that, you said that it was difficult to play in in blind content. That mm-hmm. that's why Civil Square Enix changed it. Which kind of leads me into the conversation that I want to have about progression tanking, specifically what happened at the start of the expansion. And that everybody ran the fuck away from Gunbreaker. And you were there at the start of the expansion as well, Sindelf. You know how this like this conversation went in every single hardcore team. It was, you just don't bring Gunbreaker to prog. Lots of teams felt this way. And as you got to the end of the expansion, people are finally realizing, actually, it's not that hard. And it's really, really good. Why do you uh, think that, 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 that like paradigm shift happened? Uh, I think it's because people overvalue... They value Paladin's mitigation a lot. It's one of them. Because you're, you, given the kits that they had, you're taking a Dark Knight no matter what, almost. But Gunbreaker has a lot of buttons. Or at least you have a lot more finger movement, I feel like, than some of the other tanks on a consistent basis. And the problem with that is tanks don't really do that. Their finger movements are pretty simple. So it makes it seem like you have a lot more to do. Especially when everyone's always like, oh, I missed this ability under trick. Like, that's a big deal. It ain't that big a deal half the time. No, especially <laughs> with trick. So like, yeah. Like, that, that's one change, at least, with, um, I guess, like, that I feel like tanks felt going into uh, Shadowbringers is, like, everyone's... All the tanks are trying to figure out how to do damage, and then they realize it's like, well, you kind of just have to press your buttons now, to be quite honest. Well, there hasn't just been before any... we kind of move on to this, can like you guys have been talking about Warrior in a sort of postmortem fashion for the past like twenty minutes or so, like, and, and you guys have been talking about it historically almost as if it's completely dead now. Hmm. It, it, is it dead in pro? Like we've had this discussion probably means means for, for like past two weeks, but is Warrior dead from a tank perspective in Prague as well? Because yes. All the healers said that too. I mean, obviously, Ara and. Um... If yeah. you play Warrior, you are trolling. Yeah. I'm sorry to say really? this. Even, even with like Shake and even with the self mitigation and self sustain when things go wrong, like in terms of recovery, Warrior well, just. No, see, that's you. part of the problem. Like, Shake is good in a case when you can use it, but most of the time that damage is magic and Dark Missionary is going to probably do better. The problem is, as well, is. You're saying self-sustain, but I want to say what self-sustain. Within, like, remember what I said at the start is like one of your goals as a tank is to be able to move to um, a speed run mentality as fast as possible. You can't really do that when trying to like play a little safe on warrior. You definitely can't because the problem is is like to do that you have to take either IR or Chaos and mix it with Flash. Flash isn't going to really help you survive a hit. It's going to help you after the hit as well. It's it's a lot harder to use, especially with its length of time that it lasts. 
it I don't know, it doesn't feel really it doesn't feel simple enough to use in Prague, even though it could technically be better than all the other tanks if you were to able to play and plan with it perfectly and like be able to do all the math in your head for what you want to do, but it's like no one does that. No one plays like that in Prague, so I no one's gonna play it. Actually, Cherry, who did what did BJ run during week one with you guys? Uh, that's what I was just about to get into. Yeah, so me and BJ built warrior mains, and uh, our week one wasn't technically a week one, yes, but we had we actually had to change up our roster along the way. But yeah, actually, for me, as I approach Prague, I actually don't talk about the week one. I actually want to talk about more like approaching from T, um, because although I didn't clear world first like Sphia and Sindolf, um, I had a group that was really eye opening to me in terms of. Our prog experience we cleared fast you know under 40 prog hours total but it took a month of casual hours so a couple days here and there and we cleared 12 people within the span of a month so we didn't have a static and so we had to really be adaptable and warrior was my go-to after i started with the dark knight paladin that everyone's running for the first couple days uh i i have to agree with sindolf i see what he's seeing in terms of you know if you don't know what to expect in a fight and you know you're gonna have to push dps eventually and you have all these non-synergies with crit buffs from warrior you might build a wall for yourself and the only way you compensate for that is by insane giga brain play and i admit that not everyone can do that um so i can see that however i do see that you can bring a warrior and they have so much time in between gcds and if your warrior is the big brain you know thinker outside the box and you are not going for a world first but you say you want to still want to clear in a good amount of time you do have some time to think up strats build upon strats that world progress are doing and improve upon them because they don't have the luxury to do that they have to run head first as soon as they take the first step they can't change the strat anymore with flexibility but you have that freedom so for someone who's not going for world first but you still want to clear fast i don't want to make this conversation seem like it's mutually exclusive. Like you prog, you don't take warrior, you know. And and some people say you prog, you have to take warrior. It's really situational. And if your warrior can use those times in between GCDs to notice things that can benefit the party, information wise, I think that's really valuable. Which is part of the reason why Gunbreaker originally seemed impossible to bring in prog. You you have to press so many buttons. How do you prepare your cooldowns? You have to be a master of Gunbreaker. Essentially, that's what people thought at first. So it feels like you're saying Warrior is retrospectively looking back at content, has these abilities to shine, but in a prog experience, you typically won't have those, right? Everything is looking forward. Everything is seeing it for the first time and then just going onwards from there. Um, yeah, so I, I, I don't want to devalidate Warrior altogether. Um, I see what Sindolf's saying, but it doesn't apply to necessarily people outside of, I want to say, world prog necessarily, because you have some time which is a valuable resource that you can use to think of alternative solutions to, you know, get over the wall that you created. So I also wanted to talk about bringing Warrior to progression because this is actually a conversation that within our group we've had a lot as well, where Warrior is really good at one thing as well. And it fits really well into this idea that progression isn't about doing the most damage possible, it's about doing enough damage as soon as possible, right? You're, you're, your limiting factor is real world time, not encounter time, nothing like that. It's from zoning into the instance until you kill it. That's the thing that matters. Um, 
And Warrior does, and its damage profile is it's so heavily weighted into these 90-second, five easy-to-execute GCDs. It's really, really, really easy from pull one. It's like the red mage thing, right? You go in and within one or two pulls, you're doing like 90%, 95% of your theoretical maximum. So having that benefit is really, really good in early turns and primals and things like that because just getting in there and doing the damage becomes like really fast. You're doing it in a pull or two. It's a thing that uh, we almost brought Warrior for early turns this tier, I want to say. Question mark? We talked about it and it was like, and they got to do something to it. Because hmm. I also don't play the class so at all. So yeah. be saying, hey, go in this on this class that you're in practice with that could still be better. And it's just like, no one ever, don't do that. It's falling That's into a, a trap. That's a big thing too. That's a huge thing too. Warriors is the least played tank. You know, there's a lot of rhetoric around it, and it's just kind of like a feedback loop. And so you have a lot of people who can't play Warrior as well as other tanks. And the other three share gear, you can, you know, flex between them. And so a lot of people either swear by Warrior or they swear they're never going to take Warrior. That's, that's more like, like, like meld between every single pull. Like, I remember first time I watched like Warriors, like someone streaming like Omni Tank parsing, and he just like would have 10 unmelded things in between the pulls, and then like, all right, we're going to worry this time. We'll go with that. But yeah. Yeah. You can also do the same things for you for damage with the other tank. To an extent. How do you mean, mean, sir? Like, Dark Knight's about pooling resources. You can dump that early if you need to. Like, sometimes in Prague, if we're coming up on a phase that I'm not, like, good at, or I think I'm going to get, like, a damage down or something else, I'll dump my dump everything because so that gets the damage in there. It's, it's less it's about as much as IR, but it's less about the cognitive decision that you have to make, right? It's it's about the fact that you don't have to think about it. That warrior just goes unga bunga, does good damage, uh, not great damage, not exceptional damage, but it does good damage, um, which is what I, I really, really think it, its strongest strength is as a job entirely is the fact that you have in a chaos five fell cleaves in a chaos, and like that's it. That's your damage profile right there. I mean, if I'm being honest, I, I feel like you have to think more than you have to think on Dark Knight. Or, I mean, that's probably uh, just entirely I think... because I play just Dark Knight. But you have a second yeah, button. Yeah. You have Path. Dark Knight has yeah, one combo. I... You just hit Soul Eater. I think that really goes into it. It's just, like, we, we have to talk assuming that these people, these classes, when we talk about the classes, we're really wanting to only think about the people who've mastered these classes. And I, I have spent a lot of time, you know, if you're a parser and you get sucked into that community, you spend a lot of time in the game and you get to build muscle memory, hopefully, as a tank for all four tanks. So I'd say, like, I can confidently play all the tanks at a blind, like, quad 99 level, except for Paladin, because sometimes, like, I tell myself how much I hate it and then I fuck up. But, you know, it's, you should really be able to master all four tanks as if it's, like, breathing. Then you can really go into prog and see how you want to compare the two. But if a reason is just because, like, we're not used to it, I feel like that is kind of almost, like, it should have kind of been put to the wayside as, like, a secondary reason. Because hmm. you don't want to assume that, okay, limited by skill, how do I feel? Then, you know, it's kind of a biased answer at that point. Okay, so we've talked a little bit then about Warrior and its application before the pull even going in and, and how we feel about it, and a little bit with Gunbreaker. Uh... I want to go more in depth with Paladin, because to me this one 
feels like it stands out the most from the other tanks that are currently meta and the way that it exists and how it fits into a party and its role and its damage profile. I want to think about what makes that good, what makes it bad, how it functions in a party from like a a planning standpoint uh, and why or why you wouldn't bring it into a team. Send off. Uh, so ahead of time, I want to preface my Paladin's not even 80. So okay. I don't know how to play it. But when we, when um, me and my co-tank talk about uh, Paladin sometimes, the reason that we usually end up wanting to take it is because of just wings and clemency. That's pretty much why you take it. Wait, wait, wait. Um, can, you, can you expand on clemency? Because a lot of people are, like, a lot of people that are getting better as players are thinking clemency shit. But then there's, there's this if, point at which clemency, you just realize how good it is again, right? Yeah, so, like, if you're in World Prague or something like that, you're going to use clemency to heal another player or the your co-tank to just for sustainability. Because your healers are busy. Like, no, I don't think people really, I think people really underappreciate just how hard Prague is for their healers. Oh. So it's not just that, but it's also like 90% of times that you see a new phase, specifically an ultimate, it's only your tanks who are alive at the end. And clemency lets you see a new mechanic. This has happened uh, like more times than I can count, where the first time we see a mechanic, it's because Brian and Sindel were both alive, just sustaining each other with clemency, with TBNs, because tanks are just absolutely obscene in that regard. Um, that's the real power of clemency there. It's, it's an information tool. It lets you see more of the fight. It lets you sustain in situations where you wouldn't otherwise, and people will say, remove the button, or people will say, uh, it has no practical application. It's because they're not ever playing in a situation where it has those practical applications. Mm -hmm. Right. And then when you look into something like wings, you have to consider that looking at all the tanks' kits. So every tank, had, we have like Shake, Dark Missionary, um, DV, and Heart of Light, I believe it's called. Yeah, yeah. so you all the tanks have that. But then you have Paladin, which has the extra ability, Wings. So when you factor that into how does SE decide to create their content and their damage values, the answer is going to be they're not going to require you to take that Paladin. So, so you, you have something extra. extra. Yeah, because you have something extra, you don't need to think as much about your mitigation. You can actually just go, do what you need, and if there's a hole anywhere in the fight, pop wings in that location, and you're done. You've solved your problem. You don't need to think about it. So there's a, there's a flip side to this argument, though, and it's that because it has this extra mitigation tool with having two you know, raid utility defensive CDs, it lacks in its personal and it's like targeted mitigation. I think intervention mm -hmm. by itself is kind of a, a kind of useless button. Sheltron's okay. But the biggest problem that I personally have with Paladin is its personal passive mitigation, which is its RNG block. When you compare that to Soul Leader Heal, when you compare that to Brutal Shell, I feel like this button just, it's this passive, sorry, just sucks. Hands down. The amount of effective HP you get, especially with the way that uh, you're, you know, you're shelltroning every buster with the way that you're, the amount that you're actively RNG blocking with less autos in the fights now, with less raid-wise that are actually impactful to you with your baked-in 20% mitigation, you're just getting way and way less value out of it than you're getting from Brutal Shell, for example. Yeah, I mean, 
I agree with you on all of that, but the part where you say intervention is kind of useless, like not that it's like a useless. bus intervention can do so much, right? Like, not that it's useless, but it's resource intensive, right? If you're using a buffed one, you're probably not using it in a very effective way for progression. Um, I feel like it can be used the same way as like TBN is during progression, where like it, it can it's a it's a pretty big hitter as far as defensive mitigation goes and targeted stuff, right? Well, in a situation where you're using Rampart Sentinel on an intervention, it's the only real situation you'd want and feel good about doing that is a Shared Tank Buster. That's kind of... Right, and if you look at Shadowbringers, like, there's quite a few of those now, right? Like, think, like, T has, like, can have Shared TBs, Shared TBs in 12, Shared TBs in 10, kind of. We could want yeah. the Shadows that killing people sometimes. But then when you think about tbn and it's just like oh this thing works for fucking everything it, it just it, they don't really compare one-to-one -one on one compositional thing then what if you guys ran have you guys ever thought about running dark knight paladin as your combination in week one we have that's what we do yeah so we, so what's, the, what's that, that versus dark knight gunbreaker i guess like wh how would you weigh those two together against each other those combinations so the reason gunbreaker was basically because we came to the conclusion that we wanted more damage. We're going to get that out of Gunbreaker. Um, at some point, we're all we, we're actually starting to say Gunbreaker is easier to play than Paladin. Um, was it Brian was having in the past? He's had trouble keeping up like top tier damage on Paladin just because he feels like it's strict, which is understandable. Like I said, I don't entirely know how to play Paladin, but. If that's like your reasoning for it, that's one of the reasons you don't take a class. Um, but you're giving up wings then, which is, as I've gone over, very good. You're giving up clemency as well. You don't want to give that either. And but Gunbreaker just has it has a bit more flexibility in the in how it can use some of its tools like Heart of Stone. And that alone is very good. Because flexibility leads to sol quick solutions. And you need quick solutions to get ahead in Prague. Like, they might not be the best, and eventually you might in hindsight say, okay, this was a bad idea, or this could have been better, but that doesn't matter as long as the boss dies. Yeah, I have to agree. Yeah, so I think a big problem with Paladin is that disconnection through bad strategy doesn't just make you drift your CDs, it completely misaligns you. Um, where like a, a gunbreaker for example all it does is just like push your burst back a little bit right and then you'll just catch the tail end of trick as opposed to the start of trick or maybe the end of your burst is just outside of trick whereas paladin is like you don't get goring three atonements goring inside fight or flight because you just disconnected from the boss you're kind of screwed now so you're misaligning yourself from not only your own cds but everyone else around you too uh so that feels really 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 bad uh also like the it quite often a paladin optimal rotation is like 17 second pre-pull fight or flight and you don't know that going in blind gunbreaker it's like difference in openers are just very very easy to change like uh, make shifts and where you're putting buffs with gunbreaker, paladin it's it's huge changes you can do a lot of damage on gunbreaker without really having to try with mm. if you just know the rotation if you just know your rotation and just like rotate that it'll... this is very true did, did you yeah. know that we're actually in chat right now with the rank two uh echo log gunbreaker in the world yeah. 90 i like 97 oh, sure. who's that 97 percent uptime 
in a yeah, fight yeah. that I've done maybe 400 times already. That is, but, I think like the tank players, a lot of them still don't know how to breathe through their nose. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you guys are great. You're calling me out? No, yeah. no, 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 I would never. I can't breathe through my nose very well. Um, I think that also kind of goes to share something else, which I actually personally think is a problem and that all tanks, they're, they're not very skill expressive. Being good at tank, like the difference between being good enough to like compete at that top level, the baseline is is too low, right? That's how I feel about it, at least. Uh, to be able to do considerable damage to everyone else, just simply because of all the homogenization and the dumbing down of systems that they've done. And this is probably just a really bad opinion of mine, but I feel like tanks is just, they're too easy right now. They're too easy to go in and throw that back i think that and this is something we were briefly talking about before we started this i think that the skill expression of a tank is often reflected in the performance of the of, the, of other people so a really good example of this was during e9 um during tiles the tank positioning and turning affects your melees a lot right because you run out of shiro stacks if things aren't right so in that sense you can play great as a tank and it won't affect your your, your metric performance at all right but i think the skill expression comes from things like movement Things like rotation, like gunbreakers, like double weave during the movement is actually really awkward in a lot of openers, right? Mm-hmm. E11 starts with like first you see Sonic, that's like super weird. And I think these, I think it's the fact that it's reflected in other people that you might have this, right? And maybe it's because the tanks you play with are so good. It could are you be talking so about like what makes a good tank then? Uh, well, I, it's I more about wanna... like skill expression, I guess. Yeah, I kind of want to rebut something you just said really quickly though. You're talking about the boss yeah. movement which actually just doesn't exist anymore. Boss movement in Final Fantasy XIV raids these days is next to non-existent. Hitboxes are fucking enormous, and bosses always reset themselves now. There used to be a thing where, like, the way that you moved a boss around an arena actually mattered, but that's just been taken more and more away from the tank's being responsibility and just put into, oh, boss resets itself now. So, did you see another room? There are some specific points. Continue. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was just going to say there are some specific points, like, you know, like uh, Lightning Tower in Rama, um, uptime strats for E12S Oracle, um, as well as Ifrakaruda during the split with the, you know, the, the slice thing. So there are some situational things, but when it comes to affecting prog, uh, it's not make or break, which I don't know if that's what Sindolf's about to talk about. Uh, no. Um, I was actually going to say people talk about tank like movement being a tank responsibility and that partly makes things easier i mean usually for how people refer to it is your melee dps i actually say it's your melee dps's responsibility because i've been and this is why i see i see that look on your face but it's not what? A, no this is why um because i i mean i played with many different tanks who've all said move it this way, do it this way. And I'm like, at this point, it's like, you know what? You tell me how you want the boss moved. You want it move quickly? I'll move it quickly. You want it move slowly? Move slowly. You tell me as the melee what works best for you, and we will do that. And, yeah, that, and that is why it's their responsibility. That's actually not a bad take. It's, it's sort of the, the same thing where it's like, I think personally that the healers should tell me where they want Adel. Until they do, I'm going to throw it out wherever I feel it's best, but it could not be in the, in the best spot because they're the ones thinking about mitigation planning because they're the ones with all the tools. So, so I do kind of agree with you there. But the way that yeah, you started maybe that, that was is. a massive bait. Massive bait. 
Alright. Uh, so yeah, what we're going back to, to the uh, expression of skill problem. And I think Hira, you, you were wanting to talk about that a bit more as well. Uh, yeah, sorry, I was disconnected for a while, so I'm, I'm kind of like just joining back in, but um, expression of skill as for tanks? Um, yes. Do you want to maybe... I guess what I would ask I on that is, anyway. like, if we were thinking about like sort of the, the cardinal aspects of skill expression, you would think about things like melees have their idea of greeting all the time. Healers have the idea of healing as little as possible and kind of planning that out and movement and different class of movement. What's the biggest... So we're basically making the point that tank skill expression does not exist in rotation because it's so one, two, three, Papega, just, mm -hmm. you just do it. So where is the yeah. skill expression? Because I was arguing movement and clearly there's that, that has been taken away a bit in Shadowbringers. So where is the, the opportunities for skill expression? So like, actually, this is actually the great way you've just poised that question. You started with what healers want and what DPS want, which is they want to heal as little as possible and DPS want to greed, or I, I don't agree with that word, but you know, I know what you mean. They want to greed as much as possible. You know, ironically enough, these are things that tanks can influence directly and, you know, indirectly in many ways too. And so it kind of segues into what you were saying earlier. I think your guess is mostly right, but Sindolf has a good point too. So I think it works both ways. Maybe 50% of the time, as you're progressing through a fight, thinking of places you can express yourself, maximize, min, you know, min-max, maybe sometimes it does need to come from feedback from great DPS who know what they want. And then as a tank, you can better understand what your DPS want. Same thing for mm -hmm. healers. And then as a tank, it's your job to cater to them because everything that hits the party, like we were talking about before the stream, it goes through a filter and the tank is the first line of defense in that filter. And so the way the party experiences the fight is largely dictated by this kind of landscape the tank is setting by moving the boss, mitigating incoming damage, because if a healer has lived with a great tank their whole life, and then all of a sudden you got to get a sub and that guy doesn't know how to mitigate, you feel like you're playing a different fight. And I think that's kind of how you want to approach skill expression as far as non-metrics are concerned for tanks. How well you can really listen from your party members and then give them what they want through your mechanical skill and knowledge. Hmm. You said non-metrics. What about metric-based yeah. skill expression? Because that is something that I feel like is, is really been narrowed in how much skill you can express, but obviously it's still there if you're, if you're bringing it up. Yeah, that, that this is just kind of true. Like, you know, with stance dancing taken out and all these classes kind of being homogenized, it feels great, you know, to play the game at first. The classes are so balanced, but largely it's due to homogenization. And I think that's a great term. Skill expression is being lost. So that's why I kind of went towards these other things. But yeah, metrics, there's some things you can do in every class uh, per fight-specific things, but um, that's already in the narrative, in the larger picture, in the community. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone's going for damage now. Yeah, So gotcha. I want to bring attention to the other things, like Jung just said. I think they're really important. All right, so I'm going I'm to dial it back a bit and go back to where we're going through every every job and what it brings. And we've done Worry, we've done Gunbreaker, we've done Paladin. And the last one going in with, a, you know, thinking about, thinking ahead into progression is Dark Knight that we haven't talked about. And Dark Knight has been present in every world first, this expansion. I think it missed one last expansion and then it was in every one in Heaven's Ward. Since it's been in, I think it's missed one world first. It's an obscenely strong uh, prog class. Actually, no, I think it missed two in Stormblood. 
but regardless the, the point i'm making is that this thing is clearly a mainstay and a staple of progression even when it's been unfavored by the community for its damage output and send off you're a dark knight main so i want you to tell me why why is this thing always here I, the answer is really simple but I, I know you can give me more than just that well the simple answer is because it's easy to play the more complicated answer is like so it's the class itself is just generally really flexible in both damage and defensive aspects damage wise you can dump your load whenever you want and just go in with um edge of darkness whenever you need to um any other abilities you have at the time you have a, a small 5 10 15 second window you're going to be pressing all the buttons in the world and that's usually also when going to when tricks going to be up and you can very easily if something is actually happening move it elsewhere you don't yeah. lose damage in that regard like it just gets transferred yeah, you'll lose a little bit of party synergy, but a tiny bit of party synergy very rarely made or break a DPS check. What it sounds like you're so, saying is that Dark Knight is now so good because it had what Warrior used to, which is that defensive and offensive flexibility. Yes. So it's now the king it, of that sort of archetype. Right. Yeah, it, it has a lot of balance in that regard that allows you to just do what you want. But the other reason is people really value TBN. Uh, TBN is great for tank busters. It's great for reactive things. It can save people's lives in Prague. It's very, very useful. I do, however, think that people sometimes do overvalue it a tiny bit. And the only re and the reason I say that is that if you look at a lot of clears and you start looking at the logs, you start noticing, wait, why did this tank only use TBN five times in a fight? And then you start looking through all the other tanks, and you see three TBNs, four TBNs. Nobody's really good at using it. It's a very high skill cap ability that, in theory, if you use it perfectly, you're going to get a lot out of it. Like that, hmm. you're going to be seeing like what we were talking about before about what you can do, like making things easier for the rest of your party. Like your healers, they're going to do more damage. They're going to have stress points where they're just like busy thinking about all the things they got to do just go smooth and nice actually and, i want to talk about that yeah. that exact situation it's about smoothening and removing stress uh a lot of people always make the argument and i think i know that you're going to try and do this today a lot of people make the argument that from a mathematical perspective warrior can give you more healing throughput than tbn Right. People always bring that up. You can full heal in two GCDs and save healer GCDs. Seeing a low HP bar just viscerally as a healer gives you that oh shit reaction, right? You're immediately in I have to react mode. With TBN, that it's a preemptive thing. You're all of a sudden making it so that, that that threshold is never reached, that reaction is never there, and you're always in a just a much more comfortable situation. So while, yes, there may be a theoretical world in which the, the healing from Warrior gives you a better mathematical throughput, but the way that, that it's approached and the, I guess, it's almost like a mental effect on the team that TBN has versus uh, actual throughput healing feels better to play around. And I think that's a really big part of it as well. Yeah. Uh, personally, I think there is a lot to say about something that helps improves the group's mental state because at the end of the day everything's a mental game 
Um, the only reason content in this game is usually hard for top players when they're doing prog is because their brain is all over the place as they're doing new things, but the actual actions you're doing are very simple things you've done a million times in other fights. So finding some way to make it easy for the rest of the party, or in many cases your healers, so that they don't actually have like those stress points and they can reach that state of just calmness in their mind faster. I think that, going back to the topic of skill expression, that's like the number one thing you can do is help everyone else reach that point faster. And a tank does have some influence over that. Talking more about Dark Knight as well. Uh, actually, what I think is one of the most underrated, particularly in our team, which we only recently learned, uh, parts of Dark Knight is that, fortunately, uh, Living Shadow isn't affected by weakness. So when Sindelf dies all the time in our clears, the Living Shadow is still doing full damage, uh, which is fantastic because Sindelf's always dead, right? So like he's still actually contributing, yes. and that's that's nice. really big. That's huge. So thumbs up. I'm, I'm really glad that you took notice of that and uh, you know inspected your play and, and made the, the correct decision around it. Yeah, I didn't know that until after, until the end of this tier. I'm like, oh, <laughs> this thing doesn't get affected by weakness or damage down. It just always does full damage. That's great. Why is that the case? Is that just uh, like a... They fucked a, up? It's a weird pet it's a, thing. It's a pet. Yeah. So, like, it's coded as a pet in the game, I believe, and it scales weirdly. So, like, it scales harder than the actual player. And I guess the way pet interactions work in this game i don't understand how they work but they're just different they don't work how you expect they would they don't follow logic that's interesting because when you summon shadow um it doesn't snapshot the buffs you had when you summoned it it's using the buffs you have in real time as it does its abilities so let's say you summon shadow it takes five seconds for it to get up then you pot four seconds later then you get the pot duration you know that's interesting that it doesn't take the weakness and it doesn't take some damage downs as well, I think. It's, yeah, it's I'd have to a really check. weird button. Uh, but it does get some damage. I don't know, man. It's just, it's just really strange. Um, so on the point of just a comparison of, of jobs going into prog, the thing that most people want to bring up and has been talked about to death, at the I think, in a, in a more accessible forum is the way that the invulns work. Right, and a comparison of them, and everyone, you know, there's a there's a typical ranking that people have. That Hello Ground is by far the best, and then you've got Bolide, then you've got Home Gang, then you've got Living Dead. I personally think that Living Dead should be a lot higher. I think Home Gang should be higher. Um, I want to know your guys' takes on that as tank players. Hiori first. Yeah, so it's it's easy to just read what the skills do and think, okay, Hall's the best. Then you got Bolide, then you got Home Gang, then you got Living Dead. Like, yeah, I die, then I don't die, then I die if you don't kill me kind of thing hmm. um but warrior fits this niche in a lot of fights like t you know uh oracle you know the cooldown is past a certain threshold where you can do things multiple times that other classes can't so i think that's also taken into consideration as i think of all the invulns together um i want to say the one thing that i kind of don't know if sh it should be that way is dark knight and how it directly influences what healers your healers want to play by how the invuln works it's kind of the second shortest cooldown but it requires a benny and then if you don't use the benny you have to find alternative ways to survive tank busters 
which you can do, but it's not surface level thinking. I'm not sure if that's really how it should be, you know, how it should feel in comparison to the other three. How about you, Sindel? Same, same sentiment? Mm -hmm. Similar. Uh, I mean, Hollow Ground, I do agree, is the best. Even with its long cooldown, it's just so useful in that regard. But the thing is, like, the problem with the uh, like, this is like a, just a problem with the other ones, is that Bulleye puts you down to one, Home Gang is going to put you down to one, realistically, and Living Dead is also going to put you down to one. The problem with Living Dead is you have to get you back up to full. The benefit of Living Dead is that it lasts longer than everything else. So, we've actually... 18 seconds. Yeah, it's the only one where you can actually functionally get the full 10 seconds of invulnerability on it. Yeah, and uh, we've made use of that in the past. It's really, really nice. Um, I hate the healer having to heal you up, but they have to do it on every tank anyway. It's just in this case, they're forced to get you to max. Hmm. I mean, they're going to have to heal you that way anyway, eventually, over time. So I don't feel like you lose too much. It's just more of an immediate thing. So I put Dark Knight's Invuln up there, um, and then Bolide. I don't know. People think I overvalued, un well, undervalue Bolide, but I don't like it very much. So it's because think... it like forces you to one immediately, and it's cool. And it's like cooldown is sh not cooldown. The length of the buff is short. Yeah, which is my then, biggest issue with it. Then it has that benefit of being a, a zero damaging. Uh, in Vuln, which means that you can zero out certain attacks and abilities which would give you adverse effects like Vulns or damage downs sure. and things like that. So it has that sort of like give and take with it where there are some fights where using uh, Dark Knight and Warrior uh, in Vulns is just not possible to do certain strategies with, like the uh, Dog Cheese in E10. You can't use the, um, the Warrior or Living Dead ones, but the Orbs. Right, because you're standing in the middle and oh, yeah. you take the damage down. Uh, but if you zero oh, yeah. it, you don't what take the damage down. Again? You're gonna die to the. I'm pretty sure you die to the breath anyway. Yeah, yeah, you can't. You can't stand in the middle and invuln. You use warrior to cheese that in E10, just with shake. Oh, like you just stack shield. You don't really invuln anything because invuls go like they don't save you. You just die. Are you talking we, about the uptime dogger? I'm thinking like, of the wrong one, maybe. We would just throw seven people to the wall and put our tank in the middle, and he would die. Oh, that's right. that's, but that's you're right. Thing. You do get a damage down, and that's kind of the big divider between the two. Like it's just anti air is a good example where you can't do that though, right? Like paladin, yes, paladin gunbreaker yes. anti air. That is what I'm thinking of. Yeah. The but the thing is, if you're good on dark knight or warrior, you can just you go out for the chariot. Step you still out. Pop your yeah. 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 So a lot. Of, these are just like simple skills. Like you, you can't die. There's a specific way you can't die. It's kind of a simple tool. It really is what you make of it. Like the, in the hands of who's using the tool, and yep. that really is what makes invuln scene amazing. Or just like, oh, I could have just rawed that. Like you know, raws on a 15, twenty second cooldown. Yeah. Invulns. Yes. Invulns in general, I think, are kind of like a problem for tank from a design standpoint, in in farm content. Because players generally figure out what the optimal timing is for everything, and then you just invuln everything. And honestly, I kind of hate that culture. Um, they, I think they also are, are problematic in that they really, really establish the way that tanks are currently being played, which is 
for every tank buster, you are either kitchen sinking with every single defensive CD you have, or you're involving, and then there's nothing in between. That's a combination yeah, I... problem of fight design in terms of the way that tank busters are structured, the way that tanks class designed in terms of how strong their CDs are, the durations, uh, the cooldowns, the involves, and also the fight design in terms of the fact that there's just way less autos now. And Sindalf, this is something I know that you're kind of uh, outspoken about. Sorry, what? Can I, I think that one of the reasons why this actually might be the case, though, is because of healer competence. Um, and I kind of want to put this in right now, because there's still a lot of multi-hit tank busters, or even two-hit tank busters, where week one, we were handling this through healing in between these things, right? Um, like E10 and e E12, particularly. Especially E12, which is a two-hit tank buster, which is really quick, and you need to time it, and even with feint and all the mids there. So I think, like, is this, is this, is the design really because of like maybe that these tank busters are actually designed well. They they're demanded. They actually demand healer competence. And maybe we're thinking about it the wrong way. Maybe we shouldn't be thinking about it as kitchen sink, right? Like what if we still kept these same tank busters, and then tripled auto attack damage, so that you needed to mitigate auto attacks, so that when you confronted these tank busters, you only had so much, and then you were forced to actually heal. Like wouldn't so that be is, healthier design? This is yeah. actually what I was getting at before, and that with the kitchen sinking, it doesn't give you what I think is a, a very important expression of skill and tank mitigation that I, I think Sanoff knows what I'm talking about. He's probably the better one to, to actually go over this. Uh, in the usage of CDs. Sanoff? I thought, oh, I thought you were going to continue something. No, no, I'm saying... No, no, you're, you're the one more experienced here, so I want you to take So, yeah, the, um, your CDs at the moment, many times you end up, in the current content anyway, you parse it all on a uh, tank buster or something else, you overstack it, and that's pretty much it. Because in prog, at least, the damage values look. They might not require this, but they look like you need that much. Because sometimes you might miss one thing and you just hit the floor and you're like, okay, well, I guess I better toss everything there. It's the safest option. Um, the removal of mini busters from the game is, I feel, such a huge de detriment like, untelegraphed small busters that happen in the middle of the fight. Like, go into a fight, like, turn 9. I think turn 9 is a perfect case of this. Within two GCDs, that thing is blasting you in the face with a cleave. It's going to cast a couple abilities, cleave you again, jump at you, buster you, like, twice, and then hit you with another mini buster into a buster. Like, it just does a whole bunch of, like, damage, and you have to say to yourself, okay, when do I actually hit my cooldowns so I can cover all of this. You have to think about it. You don't really have to do that right now. You can actually hold everything. And it's usually not that big a deal. It's like the outgoing damage on tanks through autos. Not a big deal right now. And you can just, if you want to like actually add some mitigation in there, you'll either use TBN on autos, if you can, or TBN on, an, on a raid-wide AoE. And that plus the autos will even everything out for your healers. And just following those rules, like just simple rules, it will take care of most situations. Yeah, I, I mean, think it, historically, on. a good tank would be the person who uses exactly what's needed on a buster, and then they're rolling things like Rampart through a very heavy auto attack section. Part of the problem now is that that Rampart on the heavy auto attack section doesn't really mean anything anymore with how little these bosses are auto attacking now, and how little they're auto attacking for, and the fact that crits don't exist. All that sort of stuff just means that that expression of skill, again, 
has just kind of been lowered or taken away almost entirely, it feels like. Those, and to be fair, those places exist. So they do exist, and you can find them. But it, within a prog scenario, because of how hard some tank busters do hit now, where you have to, like, or want to throw everything at it, you say to yourself, okay, I can mit these uh, these autos in here, and maybe my 90-second cooldown will be up. It'll be, like, right at the line. But if I'm off, the party's dead. Or I'm dead, and then the party's going to die, probably. Am I willing to take that risk? And you don't take that risk. Because if you're like me, you have bad time management in the middle of a fight, and you just don't. Like, you say, okay, I'm going to be bad instead, and don't do it. But you stayed alive. Everyone's okay. You cleared the fight. It's good. It's okay to be gray sometimes. Okay, so you're saying then about your personal weaknesses as a player, and this is kind of going into what I think is a really important topic for tanks is what makes a good co-tank? Because like I was saying, the expression of skill is obviously down and down and down. And obviously the co-tank you want is the person who does the most damage. But beyond that, what do you personally enjoy working with? And I know this is particularly a thing for you, Sundelf, because you've had multiple, you know, opinions of you as a co-tank and of other people as your co-tank. What, what, in your opinion, is a person that you want to play with? Because I know that you and Brian, for example, have really good synergy. What causes that? Uh, I look for someone who is good at the things I'm bad at. So I'm bad at looking around the room, figuring out how to do some of those mechanics, like look at AAA Pock, for example. I, I still don't know how to do that. Like, I just follow the boss. But he knows how to do it. I'm like, I, you do this, you take the boss every time we get there, and we're good. Like, the party does not get stuck. This is a problem with me, personally, but he fixes that problem. And that, I think, is something you should have from a co-tank, because nobody's perfect, and you need to be able to cover each other's weaknesses. Um, as well as being able to, like, do the typical communication stuff, they gotta hit their, use their abilities when they need to, and at least be able to work together you keep track of like this global pool of cooldowns that you have. What it really just sounded like you said was you a good co tank to you is someone who does everything that's difficult in a fight. Yeah, they do the things that I'm bad at. Okay. That's very I'll take three I, that's powders pretty... for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I do that for paladins. Yeah, what's your actual take on this, Fury? Because I know you have a really good rep in my community, like in our I guess in our community as far as being a co tank goes. So like what like let's say if you're you looking at everyone else then like what do you like what makes you think certain people are better or worse other than like having shirk on your hotbar? Uh, when it comes to better or worse, I wouldn't say there's like a like a actual universal objective way to grade someone bad or worse at Crow Tank. You know, at the highest level, you have a lot of people you can pick from. I think the biggest variance is actually personality and compatibility. My default answer would actually be someone who complements your strengths like every prog party or optimization party has kind of like a mood you're either all super aggressive like fuck yeah let's go or you're kind of like thinking it out you know like hey can you move this here okay yes you know you know and then zen bowing to each other and someone who doesn't fit that mood down the party's strengths i would actually say someone who has a similar attitude as you so that if someone wants to build an aggressive strategy someone else can piggyback off it and maybe you're completing an actual strat rather than constantly one for one step forward one step back but i can totally see how sindelf sees 
that maybe you do need someone counterbalancing you. But mm. both of these have something in common, and that's really just, is this someone who, when you're put together with them, like you feel like the game is better for you to play, and it's better for them to play. And then, like I said earlier, the tanks can then take that good synergy and really show the party some benefits that they wouldn't have otherwise with bad tanks. Yeah, these things are all intangibles, it's sounding like. Like, there's no metrics you can put to these things, like personality and, and their approach to the way they think about At the highest tanks. level, yeah. At yeah. least at the high level, you have to decide upon these things, I think. So when we're so, talking about the tangibles, things like CD usage and things like that, uh, particularly in prog, is what I'm most curious about, Sandalf. How do things like interventions and TBNs and the, the tools that you have for each other, how is that stuff communicated? Or is it just kind of like a natural thing that you have over time built up that they just automatically happen now? Uh, well, if you're Dark Knight, you're supposed, you need to be giving out TBNs without anyone asking for it. So you don't need to communicate with that. And the other tank, usually, it's the other tanks that have to communicate whether or not you need it. Um, and sometimes I'll say, I don't need this, or something like that. Because TBN's just so free to press. So you don't have to do that, usually. Um, usually, what ends up happening is, like, we come up with, like, a rotation, sort of, like, mitigation. Like, one person will be first, one person will be second. That's a good start. Um, so you have that nonverbal communication to start with. And then other cases where you do things like, if you need to actually do other times of communication, it's usually, I can't do this. You take the bar so we die. That's actually the situation I put Brian in all the time, is you do this or we're dead. So he'll do it. It's not a very like healthy way of always doing it, but it's like, when you have the whole kitchen sink tank cooldown thing, that is kind of what, how it turns into. It's like, I don't have anything for the next thing. Hmm. So let's do it. And if there's a hole anywhere, that's where you put our involves. You fill the hole with the involve, and it's, it's get the job done then. Yeah, I think I cut you off before, John. What was it you wanted to say? Oh, no, no. I actually wanted to ask about those things in particular as well. But right. since we did dip into metrics just now, and I want to bring it, we talked about, I think intangibles are great. And look, I'm a big qual coach, you know, I test all that stuff. But I'm a bit of a, a Reddit nerd when it comes to sports as well. So let's, let's talk about metrics for a bit, um, specifically in terms of parsing. So obviously there's the debate between ADPS and RDPS. And I, I do want to ask you guys both what you guys think about I guess ADPS in this is a metric for evaluating tanks, but also like, what other ways in which are what are the other ways in which you could evaluate tank play quantitatively? Is it through things like, like I when I look at a log, the first thing I look at because I look at gunbreakers is what's the hardest stone usage, what's the aurora usage, and how does that line up with the fight timeline? So what are the other metrics that you could use to actually evaluate tank performance? Any ESV? Before we start this, I have to preface with the fact that Sindelf every time that we finish raid and we look at logs, he's like, which DPS line do I look at? So, yeah, we'll go to Hiori first, definitely. <laughs> Not any different here. Well, do you, do you mean metrics then in terms of uh, it just ADPS and RPS, or can I also touch on MIT? Because I kind of yeah, agree I, with I something think MIT that... MIT is actually like a really... Yeah, I wanted you to dive into MIT basically as a metric as yeah. well. But I want to talk so like those I... two first. And then... Okay, I'll try to keep it short then because there's two topics. That's not, my, that's not my strong point, but... You know, so in terms of MIT, a lot of people will... The most common narrative is max usages, and then if you can't get max usages, you know, max damage blocked. But I actually think sometimes there's some exceptions where you want to intentionally not get that use two times surrounding this other area where your healers have their own mapping as well. They're also talking. 
And let's say, for example, you're taking a lot of autos, like moving the boss after wide angle first to the center. Um, you're taking auto attack damage there. Healer resources are down because you basically are saving them for the stack spread that's coming up and you just use them on obscure. So a lot of times tanks want to save something for there because I heard this in the healer conversation earlier. You can potentially save the healer as a resource. Whether or not you can actually, you know, find breakpoints for that, you know, that's really dependent on the fight. But that's how I approach tanking and I call it opportunistic mitigation rather than just spreadsheeting, counting max usages, calling it a day and thinking that you're, you're basically the best tank because you use max usages. I think the best tank will be opportunistic, continuously looking for ways to use cooldowns outside of what's in the description and outside of just max usages. Um, the one thing that I think about this is, Sindalf said, Invuln is used as the last resort to fill holes, but in T, my team was the very first team to use the single Invuln strat which was, I was watching the Japanese team do it, and they were bringing a paladin and the other, you know, living dead in there. And I was like, why would you use two invulns? You can use one. I can't die. Let me bait the cone. And then, so I have two tanks baiting the cone and then a ranged DPS baiting the other cone, and they second win it off. And we used to tank cooldown on top of the ranged DPS. Healers don't need to heal anything. They stand there in AFK turret. And this is an example of how if you go against the green, thinking about mitigation opportunistically, you can really get huge rewards. Which That's section is this in, sorry? In the Epics of Alexander, Phase 1. Yeah. Uh, right oh, now, everyone uh, yeah, uh, everyone is using uh, the Invuln, where you evoke at 30 seconds. Um, and I, this is something I thought of on the toilet on day one. Uh, I didn't, I'm, not, I'm not someone to name strats after ourselves or anything, but this is like something that I think everyone has really adopted, and it's largely due to the fact that that reverse-style thinking is what allowed me to kind of think about this. And then with my co-tank Grand, he told me what he could do as the off-tank, as the hand-tank, to make it happen. And then it's just really shot off. And nowadays I see a lot of people doing it. And it wouldn't example, be possible if you were just approach a linear think, thought hmm. process. That, that example right there actually really, really highlights the difference between progression mindset and optimization and passing mindset, where you can use a tank involve as a information gathering tool you reach your prog point you tank invuln you now know 10 seconds further into the fight right that's probably why invulns are seen as the last line of defense where it's the last thing you want to script into the fight if you don't have to uh so just just that little difference there uh just shows the different yeah. way that people are thinking about this stuff yeah yeah Shin... and I, I admit like oh sorry go ahead Shin, uh our ni my uh our ninja gives me a lot of crap for not using uh Involves very often like all the other tanks use them all the time but at least myself and uh my co-tank we don't really use it very often in prog and part of it is just because of that exact reason if you're information gathering or you're in a scenario where mistakes happen quite often which is prog you need to save it because you're going to end up being able to save pools and things or get more information eventually whereas you may be able to find something like in T immediately where it's like, oh, this is a great place to put it and it's super value. You get a lot out of that. Yeah, but I just think, I just realized, I think that the more recently you've started playing the game, the more likely you are to be more liberal with your uh, tank CD, or your invuln usage. And I think the reason for that is that you were probably conditioned into the way that you use your CDs 
before the CD mm. reset existed. That might be a good well, point, possibly. actually. Yeah. Yeah, I think like one way to think about it is like, cool. yeah, yeah, sorry. You can like use the invuln to like block the door and stop the monsters from getting in, or you could just bust the fucking door down, kill all the monsters with the invuln as the first, you know, attack. So mm. I also uh, owe a lot of my tank thinking to Rin. He's kind of the mad scientist of the game. So uh, having that influence really helped me. But uh, going back to ADPS, RDPS, um, I think when people talk about ADPS and they push for ADPS, I think what they really mean is speed kills, right? They're talking about like, oh, you don't have skill unless you're putting things in the raid buffs. But when you go to FF logs and it's a large way for the community to enjoy and experience the game through logs and parsing, the, the barrier to entry is so high if ADPS is the main metric because you need a dancer like you know kissing your feet for you while the astro hands you all her cards while you know while the ninjas you know and then one person gets to run at a time i think the barrier to entry requires you to have seven friends who are all willing to do this and if you're running a platform like ff logs you want people to enjoy your platform so rdps although it's not really catering towards the speed mindset and optimal play i do think it allows the community to get a taste of the game and you can experience this really well up to the highest one percent even i don't see a problem in it that's just my take i like that take a lot i like that take a lot because a lot of people think of logs as like this is a means to improve or this is a means to be whatever or like this is a means to show this but it's it's a means to enjoy the game and i think that's something that people miss a lot like numbers are fun and big numbers are really fun it's what makes Aflatus Misery and Zadnor are so interesting, right? It's not even that cool. Like, I don't really even care who did it. I don't even know who did it first, but those big numbers make you feel good. Um, and I think that's something that's missed. So maybe when we bring Kira on, we'll bring you back on too, Hiori, just to talk about this shit. Uh, he still needs to get back to me about that. Okay, if we mention his name enough, he'll eventually come on. Yeah. Um, okay, so the reason I thought about... Just kidding. How do you how do you take into account that part though? Because I feel like a lot of like when I'm playing a tank, I, I guess I've never I barely play tank, right? And when I do play tank in parse settings, I still haven't like looked up balance openers or anything like that. So I'm going in and pressing all my buttons on cooldown, and that results in a really really high parse, right? Because well, the, you don't know your kill time in a parse party, so then you're basically ensuring that you're getting as much cooldown usage as possible. But I feel like that mentality is really detrimental then in a speed setting, right? And if you've learned that way all the way. And here you have, you've done a bit of both, right? Like you've done some speed killing, right? Yeah, I have a few rank one speeds historically. Not, you know, obviously after the JP dumps and stuff. But a lot of speed teams. Aether has one run by Sir Lags. Uh, and we were in that for last year. And then also we did some, you know, effing around with friends. And we got an E11S speed one, rank one speed kill. Uh, during 5.4. I'm not part of a speed team right now, but you know, with those people working together and me filling in, we got some rank one speeds. Uh, so you I guess I would like to say, I hope though? I can contribute. The, like the transition? From like the parse mindset to speed killing to, to tank. Uh, I think even between speeds, parse, and even, I dare say, prog, um, a lot. I'm a huge fundamentalist, and I don't know if that's the right word, but it seems, sounds right. It's I think right a word. lot of the fundamental, okay, whatever, the fundamental skills behind the game, if you do them correctly and you really, really do the big layers of the cake first, I do think 
you're basically 80% of the way there to any goal you have in the game, past, current, and future content. And then it, you really just need to push the other 20% of meticulous detailing to really, you know, see the end results that you want. But if you don't have these fundamentals, you're really going to have a hard time not only transitioning, but once you climb the high ladder and get a 99 parse, the tier changes, this boss, the next boss that comes up doesn't really fit your brain that well. You know, what, what foundation do you have to really get there consistently? And I think the fundamentals really allow you to transition between any goal you have in the game. Uh, so you can optimize for padding, optimize for prog, optimize for you know, parsing and getting that selfish parse if you want. But you need to know what tools you have and how to use them for the given situation. And that's what I consider optimization. So it's holistic. When you're thinking about being so, a better yeah. player, you're not looking at just, I want the biggest number. It's about actual The numbers will come naturally. Yeah, yeah. the na numbers come naturally as a result of having this approach, in my opinion. At least it has for me. And I, I do think most people who do have consistently high numbers, I, I think of Sausage Roll. Like I was ranked two in Gate before he came out under this guy's butt. I just couldn't get out. And he was rank one. Just every single fight was rank one. And he's doing that again right now. And I just can't help but think it's something, it's no fluke. It's hard to measure, but it's got to be something. Like it's got, I, I am convinced it's consistency and how you approach the game. That's what I think. And the results come naturally. The way that you're talking about it is actually, I think, really, really good. Um, a lot of people seem to think that improvement is simply a, a metric of what your pass is or your ranking and progression setting. But the actual development of you as a player is just the accumulation of knowledge and the application of it. Uh, so hearing somebody else verbalize that in a way that I've always really struggled with is, is really, really reassuring. Oh man, that, that means a lot. You know, I've watched your, your world first to get to where I am and everything, you know, so I'm glad that you agree. Where are we going next? Jung, look like you What if we, we do have more time, but what if we went into the questions for a bit? Because I do want to get, it's topical. We can get, I want to get, save some time for the Endwalker stuff. Um, yep. So what if we did a bit of the questions right now and then we jump into the, the list? I guess it's not a list this week. And then we'll jump if, into the Endwalker stuff afterwards. Because I just spent an hour and a 20 minutes thinking about it and I have such a good answer now. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Although if possible, I'd like to give my quick thoughts on ADPS yeah, and RDPS. Absolutely. So like, did, you just, as... did you just go Google what they meant? No, I didn't. <laughs> um, so as Sphere has mentioned, I can never remember the difference between them. And I actually doesn't think, don't think it matters that much. Because if you're trying to speedrun or play your class correctly, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to look up the rotation. And the important thing to do is to look, is to make sure you understand why you're pressing the buttons when you're pressing them. And if you're doing that, you should be able to say to yourself, okay, I know that I need to be putting these abilities under party synergy and these abilities are like the priority for that, so to say. What I typically look for is for a given skill speed, because it's not really good to, com it's not always the best compare between skill speeds. You can, but it's like, it gets a little weird at that point. It's a like, Go back to the basics of look at how many usages you've had. And just then from there on out, go to the party synergy sections, like usually trick attacks, the main one you look at. Filter that out and be like, what actually landed under trick? 
And these are very basic things people have been doing since like Stormblood and Heaven's Ward. But I've always thought of it as like I'm not parsing for the DPS. I'm parsing potency. Hmm. How much can I get? What is the highest amount and I can get? And how how am I able to do this on the fly? Because I feel like DPS numbers, because of crit variance and everything else, they're kind of just inherently toxic, is the best way I want to put it. It feels inherently toxic. There's some RNG to it, because one ability could crit do more than the other, and then your percentile is going to be low, and you're going to feel bad about it. But you know, as a player, if you pressed, if you got as much potency as you felt you could, that is something that was in your control. You did the best you could. You've removed the RNG from the factor. And you're able to, hopefully, you're able to do that again when something like prog comes around. Because that mm. is going to be the transferable skill. I don't do much speedruns as much anymore as I did back in like Heaven's Ward, where I did them all the time. And I didn't find those as like helpful as people might think because once you get into like this heavy muscle memory, I feel like it actually get becomes detrimental because you're pressing your buttons in a in a like such a muscle memory way that you're not actually thinking anymore. Like I think for all players, a little bit of speed running is actually very good. So much so that it doesn't become super muscle memory, but so much so that you've learned the basic skills of it. You've learned how to like healthily process your results and then retransfer them elsewhere, so that you're constantly going to that like state later in Prague where you're like, okay, I know how to turn on the damage now. Let's flip flip that defensive switch, get to more offensive, and make the boss die. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Okay, I got some questions for us. Yeah, I'm going to reword some of these because of just where our discussion has been. I'm going to save a couple. So the first one I want to do is, what was the hardest fight in terms of Eden? Eden's, what was Eden, 1 to 12? In terms of the hardest fight to prog, and then what was the hardest fight to optimize? Just if you had to pick one of each. As a tank. Mm. Yeah. You mean the whole expansion? Yeah. Uh. Um, I mean, I don't know if I should answer first or Sindolf because they, you know, I'm go for. I'm thinking. I'm yeah. probably gonna say something dumb for this one to be quite I'll, honest. I'll preface by saying I didn't go for. Okay, in gate, I had a casual static. I didn't know what ACT was still, so uh, I cleared Titan week four, and then got dragged into hardcore raiding by Fav, who was the rank one monk who liked my boss positioning. But I would, I would tomahawk onslaught, all those things. I didn't, I didn't care. You know, I, I thought it was like the best. You know, best casual tank. And then I'd rejoined week fifteen. So I, I don't want to say I'm really able to have a fair say on. I'm, I'm really just picking from the past ex like tier. Then, if I were to answer, this is just a preface to all you guys. This guy has like pinks or goals on every single fight, like on from one to twelve. Just by the way. But yeah, no. What what is your answer? Like, what did you find? Let's 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 uh, add, like Gary. What about the optimization question? Like, what did you find to be the most interesting fight to optimize then, from like four to or from five okay. to twelve? Uh, I want to say Titan then. Oh, uh, five to twelve. Oh, damn. Can I say that? If, if yeah, you've gone and optimized any of them, you can include that yeah. in this answer. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't want to count the other ones because you know, phase one, phase two of Shiva, and phase one, phase two of Oracle. 
Um, I would I would say like you know one of those, but it's kind of unfair. It's two fights in one. I want to say Titan because it's not a phase change. He just kind of poops out a mini version of himself, right? So I, I consider that to be one fight. I think dash canceling, following the dash. Uh, depending on your comp, you'd go to a different square. Also, I don't know. I just felt like that was fun for me. At least I remember it because the experience was my first optimized tier. You know, um, I didn't get rank ones that tier, but I did get overall rank two before the T weapons came out, and then I had to quit the game. Um, it was really rewarding to me. So I would say I'm not basing it off of really which game is which fight is actually the hardest and most rewarding to optimize from a design, you know, perspective, as if there was a universal truth. Just that that's my most memorable experience, and it really kind of segued me into the way I experience the game now. So I would say Titan. Sindolf, as far as the, the hardest fight for you, to, or the most interesting fight for you to prog, as far as these 12 go? Um, hmm. The most interesting to prog... I mean, if we went hardest to prog, it would be E10, just because I'm bad at that fight. That's a mechanic, like, just 10 in general is awful. I hate it. I'm bad at it. My group hates me for it. Um, think but, about like, it from, like, what you as a tank have to do. Yeah, yeah but like, what does tank? Yeah, but like, hey, like, remember before Sphere when you said tanks don't have to do much movement anymore because the boss always jumps to the middle? I like actually struggled to come up with this, like, an answer for this, and I honestly want to say eight with Shiva, and the reason for that is when we prog that fight, the our default method for every mechanic because of this. Or because of me, whatever reason. We've just kept the boss in the middle of the room. We didn't do much with it. I also tried to find places for TBN. I was like, this is actually kind of hard to find like good locations for it. I actually looked at um Silent Kill too. They also barely used the ability. Like mm. it it was kind of like a mix of overthinking into nothing. If that makes sense. Like, it just, yeah. everything overflows into nothing, because nothing really happened. So the structure and design of the fight, you think was difficult for you to really feel like you had a, a grasp on it? Something like that. It's a little hard for me to explain. It just, mm -hmm. like, things were just different. Something in that fight felt different, and maybe it's because it was, we're going from something like Titan to something like Shiva that was actually a little more difficult. I, I think Shiva's the hardest fight of this, um, from a prog perspective, of this entire expansion. And that was probably what did it. Um, it was like, there were solutions where we had to go outside of the norm, the norm. Like, even if it's just bring the boss to the wall for a look away nears, and that would have helped people so much. And it, like, in prog, that didn't happen for a lot of people. Also, say Titan was the best fight to optimize as well. Yeah, so that actually is like the optimization. Like when you are optimized, you get to those things. And a lot of these strats revolve around the tanks moving the boss. So I actually think like it's, it is a hard question to answer. This tank optimization in this like whole expansion is really rich. There's so much to do. And I, I think there's so much to do. Like Rama, Lightning, you know. Titan following the boss, Ifrit Garuda, you know, uptime, Shiva, uptime, I don't know, it's uptime, uptime, just so many things you could do, and I don't know how much experience Sindolf has with, like, you know, running, beating Deathly Stress, but also an E10S, 
with 241 GCD, you don't have to lose your GCD or clip to a single Throne of Shadow in the entire fight. Not 1, 2, or 3. Warrior can uptime the Throne for the first one, too. So, uh, then, you know, the game that gets for other tanks is you can do your Gap Closer inside your buff, which saves you 40 monstrous potency, I guess. But it's still something to do, right? I, I think it's so rich, and uh, I I'm really blessed to have been able to experience the game at this optimization level and although i'm sure that a lot of players will eventually at this end of expansion do the same exact thing it's still really rewarding to pull off um next one i think i'm mean, gonna this is a big reword in paraphrase what are the conditions that would be that would have to be met within a fight for dark knight to not be brought into it like so the guy basically said if there's no magic damage would you not bring dark knight that was sort of the question, but I'm more broadly like, how what kind of fight design would basically say like we want something other than Dark Knight, or is Dark Knight just always going to be there because of the aforementioned reasons? I think, and this is from a non-tank perspective, you're looking at a situation like Neo X Death, where the boss doesn't auto attack at all. That's kind of it. Sandalf, do you think differently? I, within the, like, I'm trying to think of a situation why I wouldn't take the class. I mean, there's a reason I play it. It's because it's so flexible. Like, even if you don't have magic damage, TBN's still very good, and it's extremely free to press. Um, yeah. And then you don't lose all the other things, like your flexibility. Um, I would probably say a situation where your mana just gets completely screwed. Um, like, the boss goes away for a long time. And you're not recovering mana at the same speed other tanks are recovering their resources that they could do. Like back in the day, with like a fight like Yukob, warriors gaining infuriate back during that whole downtime during a trio. Other tanks aren't always gaining back their their stuff, and that was a place where warrior back um, at least back in Stormblood could come in and just unload the moment the boss came back, then go back to regaining all their resources. Dark Knight's going to gain something, but not as much in this case. In your case, Fear, where you mention um, Neo X death, um, do keep in mind that fight actually has a lot of tank damage at times. And TBN I mean, it, helps a lot in that place. Like, it, does have that. it does have that, but the threat isn't the tank buster, it's the tank buster plus continual damage after that, which then doesn't exist, right? And, and it's about the smoothing of that damage. That is, it is true, true until... That, that is true, but there is a not... Okay, put it this way. That fight requires planning. If yes. you're bad at planning, you take that Dark Knight. Because it will save you from the planning problem. Where, like, okay. you have to say, okay... Is that why you play Dark Knight? Yeah, I suck at planning. I have a goldfish memory. I can only remember the last two seconds of anything I deal with. Um... If I, if I actually explain, like, my thought process for things, people would be like, how does this guy even clear content? But the reality is, is that if you follow certain fundamentals and you just stick to them, as well as take something that can act reactively at times without having to come up with, like, these big brain plans at any sort of point in time, you can still keep going and clear content. If one tank in Neo X Death messes up their cooldowns at some point, they're they're dead on the next mechanic. So, solution. 
bring the Dark Knight. Save their life. And I mean, that's the truth for any fight, too. Yeah. A, a lot so, of so these the questions situ- are just... Yeah, sorry, no. I was going to say, so it really sounds like, Sandalf, the situation isn't in which situation shouldn't you bring a Dark Knight? It's, is there ever a situation in which it's so easy that I can not, I can get away with not bringing a Dark Knight? Yeah, I mean, maybe if there's a lot of AoE damage and you really need to take that Paladin. I'm starting to see what Sandalf's saying. Like, TBN, I think the reason, I disagree, by the way, that TBN is the most, it's overrated. I take CS stance, it's overrated. But because we can think of exceptions where you can potentially use the other cooldowns in a way that gets more value. But if you're not using your brain, TPN on paper, 15 second cooldown, by the way, is the biggest shield that a tank has to offer. And you just squeeze the shit out like seven, seven times in a minute and a half. It's just, it's just, if you pull that away, imagine what that fight feels like. So I can totally yes. see now why Dark Knight actually... Sindolf views it in like this romantic special boy kind of way. I, I can totally see no. I, yeah, I, I also I play I Warrior Dark Knight. I play Warrior Dark Knight because I don't want to use my brain. Like we, I think tanks, we have this little big boy club where we like, you know, like we're the coolest and you guys suck because you guys rely on us. We can kill you at any time, that kind of thing. I think tanks really, really embody this kind of like, you know, we own the game, you know. And Warrior Dark Knight owns the game a little more than Paladin because, you know, they take their, they have a shield, but you breathe on them, and they'll. I'm sorry, this is a tank podcast. So we love all tanks equally, except for Warrior. Obviously, we yeah. spent no. the first part of the podcast just shitting on Warrior. Yeah, uh, well, it's, it's good. justifiably as well. Warrior. Can you have really a Warrior sucks. podcast? Can you have a Warrior podcast? Like maybe sometime later down. Not with Sphia. Um. <sighs> We okay, so the rest of the questions about half the answers are Dark Knight, and about half the answer well, half the questions are just making fun of Sindolf. There's one question I think that's like kind of wholesome. If you had to pick the best tank to learn the role on, first time tank player, what would you recommend? Mm. By the way, my suggestion here is 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 definitely Warrior, I think, because you can see tangibly when your shake doesn't get used and it just feels really bad. And then rotationally, it's the easiest one, or the lowest APM, so I think that's another benefit of it. And it's also not Paladin, you don't need to spreadsheet like the whole fight to be optimized. And I don't, I don't like the idea of spreadsheeting anything to learn your first class. I would say yeah, Gunbreaker. Gunbreaker. Mm. Gunbreaker I, wait, has... I, you said spreadsheeting? Paladin needs to spreadsheet the whole fight, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Paladin's a good tank to learn first because of that. I think Gunbreaker feels the best. Like when you first pick it up, it feels really, really complete. Even the leveling process is super easy. Like by level 70, you have your full kit minus Bloodfest uh, and Faded Circle, I think. And so like you're automatically like, you know how to play this job. You're given the most time to learn how to play this job. And then just executing it comes really naturally. Um, and it's it's got the most buttons early in terms of defensive ability. It's it, it just feels the most complete as soon as you get it. And then the way that you're pushing your buttons doesn't exactly take a rocket scientist to figure out, right? Like, oh, I'm doing single target. I do these three buttons, then these three buttons when I can. That's that's it. I'm AOEing. I press these two buttons, then this one button. So I'd also say Gunbreaker, partly because the class itself, it feels feels very old school tanky in the sense. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't have the smooth brain tvn ability 
it doesn't have um, warrior's quirks that they have now with um, trying to he choose between mitigation and healing, even though that alone is extremely important for people to know learn. So everybody should know how to play warrior. It doesn't mean you should play warrior. But Gunbreaker itself, it just has a little bit of everything. So I feel like you'll get a taste of everything that you want. Um, it, if you're like you're looking to actually play tank at a high level, shouldn't pick like even though I keep saying play Dark Knight. If you're looking to learn, you shouldn't play Dark Knight. Not first. Play something else, then switch to Dark Knight, and then Dark Knight will probably just feel easier at times. I feel like. I feel like the class will feel easier because you've done it the hard way with other classes. Like, Sunbreaker will just give you a bit right. of everything. Warrior will give you a little bit of the healing aspect. And Paladin, well, my Paladin's not 80, so I can't comment. World Guardian. I'm working on it. Like, can, I, can I give a take on this question, too? Because, like, I think Ideally. that's... I think that's that point that Sindelwave is largely due to like the fact that I agree that Gunbreaker is kind of disgustingly just so good at everything right now. But if you're talking about learning tanks, um, for example, I'm probably the newest. Like I had a learning curve, you know, pretty recently. So Warrior, I argue that Warrior, and a lot of the tanks I play with argue that Warrior is what you should start with. I do know that Storm's Eye upkeep over capping is a risk if you're not used to keeping track of those things. But it is the only thing you have to keep track of, and you can literally eat a whole bag of chips like in one fight without losing any uptime, without messing up your rotation. It's so you have so much time between GCDs, and you can focus on moving the boss mitigation, thinking ahead, which are tank fundamentals, which, like I said, carry over. And Sindolf even mentioned this too. Like the fundamentals are so important. Go to the conversation that Gunbreaker. The most common complaint is that you can't move a boss during gnashing, and unless you know how the tech, how the actual tech works for gap closing and how it manipulates the boss and where it thinks you are to where you actually are, to move a boss during gnashing, you're gonna have a really hard time, and you're gonna get a lot of complaints from your party members about moving the boss, and that's gonna distract you from your goal, which is getting good at tanking. I think from damage, yeah, Gunbreaker is probably more straightforward than it seems, um, but. I, if I were to actually answer the question of what should I start as a tank to learn tanking, I'd go warrior. You just switch off as soon as you're done the learning process. Yeah, and uh, you you do need to know how to move a boss if you want to get in Gunbreaker, and there's a tech that really helps. We're not going to get into today probably, but the gist of it is during No Mercy, you're in gnashing half the time. During No Mercy, during No Mercy though, you can use your gap closer whenever you want at no potency loss. Gap closing moves you directly from point A to point B, and the boss will chase you to point A. Whereas normally, if you want to move the boss and just walk back and forth, you have to move in manually. So you can cover that much more distance by gap closing to move the boss. And unless you're doing that, you're going to really struggle. I have no idea what you're talking about with that, because I've never done that. But... Yeah, so like, yeah, it's, it's kind of like when you gap close, the boss... You have more time between you need the time you need to get in for the GCD because the gap close basically teleports you there, right? Whereas oh, if you were to okay. walk in, so like you gnashing black, yeah, you gnashing. You have your first half of the OCGCD to move in, then you need to move in for a continuation, right? Mm -hmm. But that whereas if sense. you were to do gnashing, 
continuation gap close, you can get gnashing, get the continuation at the max pixel as you're moving out. You basically have two OGCD spots, sorry, to move the boss and the gap close will take you back to the boss. And the boss will actually chase you to where you started the gap closer. So you will end up in, in the middle of the boss's hitbox. And that distance is how much farther you move the boss. Sorry, it's hmm. kind of like... I, I get what you're saying. That That's actually good to know. I usually don't do that for... Because I usually just drag the boss to where it needs to go, personally. But that is a good thing you need to know. Play Gunbreaker. Yeah. I will say that um your point of warrior, um, I think actually... One thing that you'll learn a lot from playing Warrior is the trade-off between healing and mitigation with raw intuition. And I think that's extremely important for a tank mm. to know is um, when does like HP up actually make more sense than uh, mitigation? Oh. Or how does it feel to do that? Because if you're taking a tank buster, if you know you're going to live, the actually healing with flash is like so good and it feels great when that actually hits right and that's a agree. skill that you can bring well hopefully you can bring to other tanks sometime in the future because i really want more healing added to tanks i'd love that in shadowbringers yeah i mean totally. walker yeah absolutely it also makes it better for your like when you start getting yourself into like more of a healer mindset because that's like, that if you're also, looking also to get better at tank, play healer. Yeah. That can help you. I mean, play any job, right? You get, up to, you get to know what you need to do. Yeah. Can we do the question and then drop... I want to... We're kind of touching on Endwalker right now, but I think it might be better if we kind of come back to it. Just because it's a bit flighty. You know, we could go anywhere with it. Do you want to introduce our question for the week, Sphere? Okay. So, every week we have a topic where we have... It's kind of a, like a, a tier list, but this it's only going to be one this time around. Uh, and it's very topical. All right. And it's, uh, I'm going to go starting with Hiori. I'm going to go clockwise around. So Hiori sent off myself, then Jung. Uh, <laughs> what is your favorite Christmas carol to raid to? Uh, all right. So I had some time to think about this. I guess I would have to say Mariah Carey is now a valid answer. So I'm going to go with Mariah Carey. Is am I only picking one? By the way, only only one, only one. Okay, I want you yeah. to imagine you're pulling after a wipe, very demoralizing. You're going for world first, and you know it's just you get this awkward pause. You know, after someone talks and says something, what this would really pick you up. You know, you hear the j bells, then you hear the I don't know what, what the fuck. The whole point is this would truly increase your chances of success. Oh, absolutely. It's just it's just that effective. Yeah. Mariah's inspiring, I understand. Yeah. Alright, Sendolf, what do you got? Uh I mean, if I was to listen to anything, it would probably be something like Jingle Bells, but I don't listen to music in raid. I listen to the in-game music. So <laughs> That's I refuse oh. to answer your question in the sense that I I don't wish to participate in it, and I never would. So, so the problem with all of this is that there's going to be a subset of players who want to clear week one who are going to have to be listening to background Christmas music because of the raid release time. So maybe it's not a problem for those of us clearing week uh, day one, day two, but those people aiming to clear on the weekend who need every single raid day uh, maybe not be so fortunate. Anyway, my answer has got to be Snoopy's Christmas, right? There, there isn't a better Christmas song of all time. Snoopy's Christmas is just the best. Just because of its like quality of the song, it's just the best. 
Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I guess I'll have to go with I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus because I guess the only question I have to ask is, well, who's your daddy? <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. We've got to pull up now for two minutes to take your votes in. Um, uh, I need to let, like let, wash let, my mouth. Let me get here, guys. This is awful. Actually, and let, let's actually... terrible. Oh my god! Come on, guys. <clears throat> um, so Endwalker. So we got a couple details out for Endwalker, but one of the things we got recently was the trailer, and Sphia released his ridiculous list of speculations about new abilities and stuff, which is basically saying that everything that's new is really just a reskin. Um, and you guys can take this wherever you want, but I guess where I might want to start the discussion on Endwalker is what do you guys want to see added to each tank job or taken away or modified as we actually drop into this new X pack? Yuri, first. Okay, yeah, yeah, I was just kind of waiting, but... um. I would like to see less homogenization. I think they accomplished what they were going for by balancing the classes. Um, I think it's time with their quote-unquote last expansion to really give classes like a unique identity. Like you should feel it's good for branding, good for marketing, also good for player satisfaction in our current state. Like you have so many Final Fantasy players who have been playing the game for so long and we've experienced the ups and downs and i think it's time to really have some good identity because they really nailed balance this expansion but now that it's balanced hopefully they have a good foundation to give us some unique identity like no build up my gauge dump it every 30 seconds you know like oh another class oh it's the same shit you know i would like to see some more satisfaction pursued through unique class identity and how it's played i don't think they're doing that right now so yeah how would you like just spitball an idea oh, that you think like would, specifically. would work? Yeah, yeah, anything, yeah. So anything actually, I want to know. What you yeah, think. like this, this goes into like the killer conversation, the tank conversation. Like, are we not taking any damage from autos? So, like Sindal said, if we could heal more as tanks, if that was part of our identity, it gives us something to do, something to, for the healers to do. Should we fail at it, right? So you increase the high ceiling and the low floor, which makes the game more enjoyable. I know that counterbalances the balancing of the game, but if, I'm sure they can find a way. Like, so yeah, basically make us take more damage and make us do more to stay alive as tanks. Like you have Warrior, Dark Knight, Gunbreaker, you know these offensive sounding names. Like let us like bloodbath to like heal ourselves and stuff like that again. Rest in peace, bloodbath. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I meant yeah. more like figuratively, but you know, like get down and dirty. But yeah, that was a skill. So. So no. All right. So I completely agree with you in pretty much every aspect there. And your comment on Bloodbath goes into actually what I was gonna say. Um, I really yeah. wanna see like with classes getting more of their identity, I wanna see them go hard in on warrior and its healing aspect. I wanna get a tank that really at brings more healing, not just to itself but to some degree to the whole group. Um, I want to see something done with it, like maybe what if you overcap your HP at some point? Does it turn into a shield? Um, Bloodbath itself was an extremely fun ability that I, I loved using it, and I hated when it was gone. Um, just 
something that does that really just taps into that aspect of the class so that we it doesn't feel so incomplete because when you have more class identity and uniqueness classes can be more fun unfortunately this does bring imbalance to a game and if they do this um and walker probably won't be as balanced as shadowbringers is but it might be more fun until you play the one class that isn't very good, and then everyone doesn't allow you to join Party Finder. That's probably the uh, nightmare scenario that uh, Square Enix is trying to avoid. Like, nobody wants Heaven's Ward Monk again. Or Shadowbringer. Even now, people are banning Warrior, you know, Bard. Bard's great. No, no, no. Anyone who bans no, Bard has no idea what they're doing. There's this, there's this evil propaganda going around PF right now. Like, I can't even sign up as a warrior. It, it's locked out. Is it griefing my litany? Oh, if you're the... Okay, get, get this guy out. Get this guy. <laughs> Me and all the Bard players and... How many... Like, uh, that, the Scholars. That yeah, actually triggers me to hear that about Bard. Bard is uh, so good. Yeah. No, it's, it's that Bard fun. players are also locking out warrior. That, that, because... That's what... Yeah, their DV gets BV. Yeah, BV gets significantly less value uh, because of that. I think what I want from tanks, I'm not a tank player, but uh, I'd, I'd like to see more agency. We talked about that a lot, mm -hmm. how the agency has been taken away and further away. Defined strengths as well, I think, is, is really important. Like, remember when Paladin was the de facto physical damage tank uh, and, you know, Dark Knight was the de facto magic damage taking tank? People thought that was a huge problem. Which was at the time, but only because of the fight design. As long as the fights are designed in a fair and balanced way, you can have those strong identities and not feel bad for playing one or the other. Maybe you need to be flexible, um, but I, I think that that should be good. Um, I'd like to see those sorts of, you know, very clear defined strengths come back. Doesn't necessarily have to be offensively, but it can also be defensively. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Sophia. I actually would love a reason to swap tanks in the middle of Prague. Because hmm. I've never had to do that. And I think the only time I've ever heard of anyone doing that is um, A7S. We did that. Where you would take we, a Paladin into that fight instead of taking a Dark Knight. We, we swapped the Gunbreaker in the last fight of this tier. But yeah, the reason that we swapped wasn't because of the... Yeah, yeah, we used Paladin oh, yeah, yeah, I guess we did. 9, 10, 11, but and that, we swapped a Gunbreaker That was different. Yeah, it was. It that wasn't was because pre, of... That was pre-planned. Yeah, it wasn't that because wasn't... of a... Yeah. Th something to fight through with us it was that we want more damage when we get to the last fight decision uh which you yeah. know is the, the obvious choice to bring a gunbreaker yeah that was, yeah. was pre-planned so that doesn't i feel like i want us to do like look at a fight and just be like yes paladin very good let's mm. take it yeah. things like that i want to more job for, for it just for the, the people only listening that shory somehow won that vote i i don't know how I thought mine was the best by far. The Christmas song vote. So congratulations. I took advantage to you. of the fact that people are Mariah Carey fans. I thought people mine was so Mariah good. Man. Anyway, if, if I would um, honestly vote if you're Snoopy. Anyway. What? Okay, whatever. You guys are all. I would like to see an extension of Paladin's magic phase. Or just something more there. I don't know. I want to have a tank that is totally ranged, that has a cast bar all the way, and no weave windows. And that every time you want to weave in your mitigation, you need to hard clip. What? Right, that sounds like Ow, that sounds, sounds terrible. Like have you played? Hold on, have you played Blue Mage? 
casting on tank is terrible. No one likes this. this is I don't want to further condition Paladin players to not hold the boss <laughs> even further. I mean, yeah, that, that, although I'll, I'll say from that, uh, back in Heaven's Award, a really fun synergy was give the boss to the Dark Knight. Yeah, it was pretty consistent. Like, people did it all the time. But having something that says, let's have this tank tank instead of the other one would be very nice to see them bring back. Like, maybe if Paladin's shield becomes better and we can say, have the Paladin take all the auto attacks, that'd be beautiful to see again. Just, just for reference, Jung just suggested a full cast bar tank. He also has written a guide for a Flicker Strike cast on crit Firestorm oh, build. Stuff, dude. So, People like, don't know what I'm talking about. I yeah, I don't think you knew what you were talking about on that fucking guide. So it's, it's bad. Don't worry. I think we should all appreciate that that was a terrible suggestion and we can just move on. Where, where can I download this? <laughs> don't. Do not. <laughs> as far as... Um, so that's what we want to see. What were the sort of... Did you want to revise some of your, your predictions, Sphere, as far as um, what you think will happen, I guess? Because like, I think we have ideas. I don't think... Basically, what I think is like the diversification of classes and creating more specificity, and def specificity to find strengths and find weaknesses are all things that we want. But I think we all know deep down, or even very high up, that they will not happen. So what do we expect actually will happen then? Because I've heard people suggest like the peeling back of gunbreaker buttons, even turning continuation into one button, things like that. So those sorts of things, kind of at the end of the day, don't matter. All the like the, the like the one button combo thing has been like told that it's not happening, but the continuation combo being one button may happen or may not. We'll see. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that doesn't functionally change the way that it operates as a kit. All it really changes is the way that you can make mistakes and now like restart your combo and things like that and. Uh, the usability as opposed to the function and how it operates. When it comes to the way that jobs will change, I, I personally think that Gunbreaker is going to get a branching combo. Um, I think that what it got in the trailer, what we saw was the a combo finisher. I don't know what function it's going to serve, whether it's a additional part to its new, uh, to its job gauge, whether it's a dot, I doubt it, but I, I think Gunbreaker probably needs a second combo at this point, just because of the the very binary nature of its rotation. Uh, you're either doing it right or wrong. Um, and there's, there's very little depth to it, like we talked about earlier. Um, but other than that, the things that we saw on that trailer really just looked like reskins to me. The, the Paladin thing looked like a like a Sheltron, just better. The the Dark Knight thing looked like a reskin TBN. The, what else did we even see? Gunbreaker thing was a, was a GCD... And then the warrior thing looked like an upheaval change or an upheaval AOE version or some type of spender, which is a punch, right? It was just an offensive button. All we've seen right now are things that already exist in the game. We're not seeing any real new oomph into the kits. And that's concerning to me. Do you guys think that's where I we're going to be stuck? Green Enix has not been... I mean... For those who have been playing since 2.0, Square Enix is very predictable on how they do things, and players are also extremely bad at predicting what Square Enix is going to do for, like, new abilities. They come up with these crazy ideas, and it never really happens, because they typically play it pretty safe. And that's it's unfortunate from a creative standpoint, but 
that is how it is. I think we're just going to see a couple of upgrades, a few buttons merged together, one ability removed, and I think every tank is going to get like two brand new buttons at best. Oh. And I think that's just how it's going to be. I think Dark Knight's going to get like their second combo or second, uh, like a branching ability. Salted Earth is going to be gone. TBN upgrade, as we know. And then two other abilities are going to get upgraded or modified completely. Because one thing we, at least when we're having this discussion, we need to think, keep a one thing in mind, and that is button count. Final Fantasy XIV is known for having too many buttons. If you're a tank, you also typically have a couple macros sometimes. Depending on who you are, it's at least common to do common operations like give TBN to your off tank and shirk your off tank. Things like that are very common. If you play class like Paladin, you'll notice your hot bars are getting a little all over the place because of all of this. If they were to add five brand new abilities, you're kind of stuck. Yeah. Like no one's going to know where that. to put their stuff. This, the, the kits and everything about them needs to be designed to fit within 36 buttons because that is the limit for a controller, I think. That too. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so okay. we end up having this problem then where, like, I really think all we're going to get is, like, two new buttons at best. We might remove one, and then everything else is an upgrade. So I don't think we'll see anything too drastic. I am actually extremely curious what they're going to do with... um each tank personal defense. Like, it looks like Paladin might be getting an enhanced Sheltron of some kind. Now, I hope it's not just the duration increase. It actually does something extra on top of it. Like, maybe, depending on the type of damage or how many hits or something like that, that you mitigate, you get some sort of effect. Hmm. And then upgrading TBN is actually just weird to me. It could just be a graphical change as well. Because like, that's what uh, it looked like to me. Like, does do they really be. need another single target shield? Like, come on, I don't think so. They could do I, something with it, but it's just buffing it sounds busted. Like, that's yeah. really good unless they buff all the tanks across the board. Because that that represents a design change that they're doing in terms of like damage values. Yeah, I am. Like, I try to wrap my head around what could they be doing with it, and. My eye, my brain just goes to there has to be a secondary effect to some of these abilities, and that's the only like real solution if it's not actually a graphical update. But SC typically doesn't do that, so what could it be? I don't know. Yeah, just a quick correction. Apparently, it's forty-eight buttons on controller now, so it's it's still limited, but not as limited as we thought. Uh, just in terms of the 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 reskins, which I think there are, you know things that it could be which aren't reskins but it feels like just because of the way that the job kits are designed right now they're kind of shoehorned into specifically with the examples that we saw anything that feels like this could be a new button would feel extra, like really redundant for example the white mage shield do they really need another water aspected ogcd shield on someone which they already have in benison it could be an upgrade to water veil maybe but essentially it's exactly the same in function as benison they don't need two of those dark knight does not need another tbn so what is the what is the purpose of this if it's not just a graphical update um yeah. that's that's the really big problem that i see right now and the way that the kits are this they really need to take them in a new direction because it feels like everything is really complete as it is right now although this actually gave me like an idea that i don't think we've actually said yet which is what would happen to the game balance or design of it rather 
if they added another cooldown. Like, let's just say you had a second Rampart. Two charges of Rampart. Mm. How would that change things? Well, they'd have to have more damage, and it would have to be more frequent. Both something people have been asking for. I would be... Okay, so I think actually a really healthy change would be two ch uh, charges of Rampart and remove the trait with 20% mitigation. I don't know if removing the 20% would be good, but like two charges of Rampart without being able to stack it. Yes. That would be, I think, uh, I th really, really interesting. I think I think one thing that comes into factor, if I could, you know, butt in for a second, is I remember reading when they were explaining how they were approaching designing Promise. And they said they took into account the fact that the player base is expanding and getting better at a faster rate. So, I, so yeah, like we're limited by how many buns we can have, so scratch that. But you can still increase the depth of the experience of play by increasing more interactions between skills. Mm -hmm. And so instead of having a 30 second burst window and like mitigating only for 10 seconds out of every 90 seconds and then doing nothing essentially for the rest of the fight, you can have secondary you know tertiary not as flashy or effective as your main burst window but maybe other interactions like you know maybe you know i don't know i didn't see the big tvm but you know i'm I just i'm imagining they can add some depth if that's how they want to approach it but then again they could also change gear and say you know we have so many new players who want to cater to them and maybe we'll be disappointed as the experienced players so it really depends more on what their business move will be and then they have a ladder to climb up, essentially, where they either do only reskins, or maybe they add more interactions, more damage, more stuff to do. I think one thing that really is missing as far as interactions go, in terms of offensive tank play, is every tank, there's no tank with, like, proc-based or random aspects to it, right? So... Once, I mean, you could argue that TBN doesn't proc sometimes because of variance, but that's like so stupid. That's ridiculous. I think maybe adding in a proc element for a lot of these classes will make the offensive rotation a lot more interesting. It's one of the things that makes Black Mage actually like not just a spreadsheet all the way through the whole fight, right? Um, having those procs. And it's one of the things that makes, I don't know. I, I think like procs are really healthy for the game because as someone who's playing the two really rigid classes right now, I mean, three in terms of how to do ultis, Dragoon, Machinist, and Gunbreaker. I feel like by the third or fourth pull, I'm spreadsheeted my offenses all the way through the fight already. And that kind of sucks. Like, I would love to see, maybe it's just like, you talk about like little things that you could add outside of the burst window. What if like every time your dot was taking with your primary dot on a tank, there's a chance you get like, um, uh, what's that thing? What's that, what's that monk thing called? That, that would be cool, Chakra. honestly. Like, so yeah. what, what you're talking about used to exist and it was called Shield Swipe. And every time a paladin blocked, it could use an OGCD, which oh, is like 120 yeah. potency or something. So this That'd has existed in the game before. Blocked, yes. Yeah, Dark Knight, every, Dark Knight, every time it parried, it reduced the cooldown on Reprisal, which was, it functioned the same as it did now, where it put the 10% damage down on it, but it was also an OGCD damaging ability. So you'd get more usages of those by parrying more than it had a uh, defensive ability, which raised your parry rate. So these things have been in the game before. They're capable of doing these, but they've peeled them away historically. So I'd be very surprised to see them add them back in. Well, they could, um, based off of, like... I like that you mentioned earlier, Hiori, about um, the community just getting better at the game at a faster rate. Because I have noticed that um, myself. Like, when I played it in Realm Reborn, everybody was bad. It actually sort of boggles my mind to an extent that it's like, we used to do this content 
and struggle with it really hard that wouldn't even qualify as a primal nowadays. Like, that stuff's not hard at all when you go back and do some of it. They're very simple. So, and, like, there's a lot of good players who are coming up who just recently started. So the player base does seem like it's getting better much faster. So they could make a return back to the more complicated aspects like we saw in Heaven's Ward with like reprisal and shield swipe. And I would think I think that would yeah. be very nice to see again. It would be healthy all I, around. Yeah, I think procs like uh, I think picking up backing off what Sindel says, I'll pass it back to the host, you know, but like maybe I can kind of see the red flag like, oh, this might affect optimization, you know, like RNG, you know, we're already dealing with that. Maybe for tanks specifically, because we're talking about tanks, it could be like mitigation procs. And then yeah, you're you're not gonna see it on damage, you know, but your healers can appreciate it. You're you can appreciate it as a tank, and it's also something to do. And it's not really affecting the the fancy glass window score of your damage, you know. So it's not gonna cause that many complaints, like oh, I can't play as high because you know the procs. But you can you know mitigate and alt it like indirectly affects your damage as a raid by helping the healers, helping yourself. So maybe mitigation procs that'd be cool. In the last 1.5 seconds, and if it procs successfully, you get it back on cooldown. Well, like something that lasts like 0.5 seconds. More so interactions on the mitigation side would be just fantastic to see. I, I think that's probably the Rand least likely. Though. Like Random that. mitigation is like, nah. Yeah, the, it, it that's should why be... people partly didn't take a paladin because people like, oh, shields are random. I mean, there's an average for it, but. You could never depend on it for a tank buster. Yeah, maybe you not have RNG to have then. your guaranteed stuff. Like people really yeah. did not like random mitigation, and people also, whenever they talked about randomness in healers in the past, like, oh, what if we add something like that to them? Everyone was just like, anyone who works on the defensive side of things is just like, no, not a chance, because you're risking the whole raid off of something random, and that's something maybe. I think should not be acceptable. Yeah, maybe just more interactions then. Because let's be real, like you have, yeah, you have a limited amount of buttons, but the game's not that hard mechanically. At the highest level, everyone's pressing the same buttons all the time. You have a 2.5 just in GCD and two OGC slots. You're maintaining 100% uptime, so essentially you're on a you're on a timer. So you really you have time to snack in between GCDs. I've done it double weaving on Gunbreaker. You know, it's if I can do that, then maybe they can increase the interactions. Speaking of being on a timer, unfortunately. Uh, we have run out of time today as I have to get out of here. Thank you for giving me that one. Uh, <laughs> but I first of all want to say thank you to both you guys. Uh, it's been a really, really good show today. Uh, Hiri and Sandalf, thank you very much. And uh, hopefully we can get you back on at some point for more of whatever this was. Um, or if, you have any, if you have any uh, shout outs or letting people know where they can, we'll go in clockwise order again from Hiori. Wait, 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 real quick. Wait, before we do this. Yeah, Sindolf, what did you buy last weekend? Can you post that on Twitter? What so, unless I, someone asked you to post pics of your whatever oh, you bought. Oh, I know who that was. Um, I have tell If they're still watching, I have to open my suitcase still. Perfect. All right, so yeah, your shout-outs. Like, you know, like, Curie, what do you want to say? Where can we find you on Twitter? What's your Discord? What are your DMs? How can we text you? What's your Snapchat? Oh, okay, well, I actually don't have, a, like, a stream that I stream on or Twitter. Which are what FF people use, but um, I would like to shout out then like a lot of the tanks who have influenced me along the way. Could I do that? Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, so I want to shout out, you know, like, people like Bryn Karagani, uh, Sir BJ. And also, he's not playing the game anymore, but Grandmaster. Uh, he was in Tank Cop. I feel like a lot of the things and the reason I'm able to contribute, I hope, to this conversation today is that I'm like a, lot, I'm like a big collage of the tanks who have influenced me, and I try to keep an open mind. And while I don't have my own personal connections and Twitch and stuff, uh, I hope you'll check out more tanks like them. Uh, certainly, you'll be able to learn a lot. So, yeah, check out Ren and, and BJ. Uh, big influences. And yeah, I mean, I'm just really grateful that I'm able to communicate with you guys on a similar level. And I hope that we can do this again sometime or keep in touch. Sure. Thank you. Sundelf, say your bit. Uh, well, I guess shout out to my team for the most part. Ra uh, thoughts per second and radiance. Um, we haven't been playing much together recently because of the downtime, but things are starting back up again pretty soon, and I'm looking forward to playing again with them. Other than that, uh, I guess you can follow me by the same name, Sindolf, on uh, Twitter if you feel like it. Do not. It's not that bad. You've always seen worse elsewhere. These hosts are yeah. biased. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, so quickly again, thank you to both of our guests. Uh, you guys have been really, really good. Uh, you're obviously on my Twitter, on my Twitch right now. My Twitter is at FFSphere. I have a YouTube that does stuff semi-frequently. And yeah, thank you. John? Thanks, guys. Okay. Well, that's it. Uh, we're going to end here. And I just want to say a quick thank you to everyone for watching as well. You guys have been great. Uh, and I'll see you next week. Is it? Ne no, no, not next week. We're going to be taking the week off, right? No, it's next, next week for the POE release. Next, next week. Okay, so we will have one next week. We'll update you throughout the week about what it's going to be. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, thank you and goodbye.